Hello and welcome to the July 22nd, 2019 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It is awesome to have everybody here with me today. And of course, as always, it is wonderful to be out there with you as well. Well, it's been quite some time since we've done a podcast journey, uh, myself and everybody out there. And a lot has certainly gone on since we've last spoken. As a matter of fact, I cannot even recall what the last topic that we did speak about, but for those of you who might skip around and possibly not listen to um, all of my topics and podcasts in a row, um, I will say this, that we are a little over a month um, out from the passing of my father, in which uh, I did do a podcast on that, and I spoke about that and some of the grieving and the feelings and uh, some of the things I've been going through since the loss of my father. And I will say uh, June 8th was the day in which he passed away, of course, and uh, we're definitely a little over a month out from that particular time. And I have to tell you that to this point, I still not have found myself to be grieving properly. And if I did say that I was at one point, I'm not. Um, I will say that over the last five days, I believe it's been, I have not, well, maybe four, I don't want to push it. Over the last four days, I have not been harassed by my mother, um, which has allowed me to think a little bit clearer, um, because I'm not constantly monitoring phone calls and wondering what's going to be said next and, you know, playing horrific messages on my way home from work and Things have gotten to a point where this is not just about a mental illness anymore. This is not about alcoholism. This is a combination of the two in which a person is quickly, not even slowly, quickly now at this point, destroying their lives. And uh, my poor sister, who has really ultimately had the blunt of all of this nonsense in terms of taking care of her and you know, bowing down to her every need. You know, my sister's been the one because I bailed. I bailed during the last um, curse out in which she accused me of, you know, not caring about my children and, you know, deserting her and telling me to F myself and my in-laws to F themselves and my wife to F themselves. And she's even had the audacity to reach out to my ex-wife, you know, and now they're buddy-buddy. I said, that's fine, two peas in a pod, let them be. Um, that's perfectly okay with me. But of course, my sister has had to deal with most of it. And that is up until the other day. Uh, my sister's had it too. She no longer wants to be a part of the abuse. And you know, her and I had a very long talk. We have been abused our entire lives. Uh, something that my sister brought up to me that um, I don't want to say I forgot. But in terms of the abuse, not only was it taken or given by my mother, but... To some extent, my father was involved in that as well because he used to just follow all her directions. But, you know, my sister, who happens to be a very beautiful woman, um, you know, 
not just intelligence-wise, but her face, and, you know, she's in shape, she's very, you know, she doesn't have to work out, she's never had to, she's in very good shape. Um, as she was growing older, and technically a child, you know, nobody really fills into their body, so to speak, or, um, you know, as they're growing, certainly not even, not, we're not even referring to our teenage years, we're talking about, you know, elementary school, six, seven, eight, nine, you know, things like that. My sister reminded me that not only did my mother used to harass her and make fun of her weight, which, by the way, was not anything to be concerned about, um, and now I remember, you know, there's so many things that you forget when you're in the midst of abuse, but used to make fun of her and, and put her down and demean her, and I will never forget now, especially since my sister reminded me that every single night, and God knows how long this went on, but after dinner, my mother would insist that my father hold my sister's knees as she did sit-ups to work off the pasta or whatever the hell we might have been fed at that particular moment in time uh, so my sister wasn't so quote-unquote heavy. And, uh, you know, my sister's such a good person. I mean, even even wrapping this up with my mother, so to speak, she made sure she did everything. She went, she's... Uh, she got her, my mother her $880 pair of glasses that she insisted on spending that money on. She wrapped up everything with Social Security. Um, and essentially, she said, you know what, Mom? You're on your own. She gave her a list of phone numbers. Uh, my sister is supposed to help her with her um, dental problems because my mother really has no teeth left due to all her drinking. And uh, my sister said, you know, not, it's not about when you stop abusing me and cursing at me and insulting me. You know, after all the wonderful things I've been doing for you and have done for you your entire life, it's not even about that anymore. I'll take you to the dentist when you get yourself help. And, of course, that it did not end off in a good way. And my mother cursed and screamed and yelled and said, leave me the F alone. I'm not doing anything, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the next day, my sister told me that she received a phone call from my mother and she says to my sister, Sister Bipolar, Mr. Bipolar Joe, sister, I am going to stop drinking. Whoa. You know, we've heard this before. My sister was like, wow, okay. And she said, I'm going to try it on my own. And listen, we all know how that goes. But the follow-up was, if I try it on my own and I'm not successful, I'd like to be enrolled into a program. Because I've already lost your brother, and to some extent now I've lost you, and I don't want that to happen anymore. So my sister was really excited about that, and um, you know she wanted to convey that to me. But unfortunately, before she even had a chance to, while she was um, saying her goodbyes after the wonderful news that my mother had conveyed, of course there was a catch. And before she hung up, my, mo my mother said, well, are you going to take me for my teeth now? <laughs> and my sister said, why? Because of your word? I mean, really, lady? I mean, it doesn't work like that. You've given us our, your word our entire lives and lives. And um, just not happening this time. So I don't know how my mother is doing, unfortunately. I do know this. She called me about four or five days ago. It was not a vicious message. Instead, it was a hysterical crying message. Uh, literally hyperventilating about how she misses me and, um, you know, 
how she doesn't want me to call the cops on her. I mean, I don't even know what the hell she's talking about, but, you know, I probably said that last time I spoke with her. I, I had warned her, if you continue to harass me, I'm going to call the police. So I would imagine that's where that comes from. But, you know, the illness, the mental illness, the sickness that this woman has is not just your typical, like, you know, I don't want to get help. It's, it's a, and again, we've spoken about this before and I've done podcasts about it, the destruction that this woman has caused in the past. And, you know, I, I forgave, never forget, forget, but I forgave. And, you know, and I'm not saying I'm not going back to her again, guys. It's not the point, but I need to break away for now because of the stress level, my own mental illness, and I cannot accept the way that she treats me and abuses me right now. So, um, we've now gotten to a point where, it's not about necessarily the mental illness anymore. It's about, I don't need her to be in a program for a month or three months, six months. I need her just to get up and go. Get up and go, and I will work with her. Very first day, I'll drive her three days a week if I need to. Five days a week, whatever it might be. But anyway, I don't foresee anything really positive coming out of any of this. As a matter of fact, my mother has not even spoken my father's name since he's been gone. And uh, I tell you this, for those of you who have never had a loss, um, you know, specifically a parent or, God forbid, even a child, something along those lines, a brother or a sister, let me tell you this. I never in my life thought that it would be, uh, you know, when you lose somebody, that you literally would think about that person every single day. And I have to tell you, there has never been a day in which I have not thought about my father. And I'm so angry with him about so many things that he's done in terms of, you know, the monster that he created. But I miss him so much. And I believe in my heart that my mother essentially killed him. Um, I really do. Because if, if he even endured half of what my sister and I have endured over the last month, you know, if I was him, I'd want to be drunk and high all the time also. Not taking care of my health and probably wishing that I would be dead. And it's a shame because... The man probably could have had another 20, 25 years in him enjoying his grandchildren, all the things that he loved to do, going to basketball games and soccer games and all those things that, you know, he's going to now miss out on that, that my own mother doesn't even want to be a part of, which I just can't for the life of me understand. It's just amazing that somebody would choose, uh, you know, again, maybe I'm crazy for saying it now because I was there once. But somebody would actually choose a substance such as alcohol over their family and their grandchildren. So that's where we're at in terms of my life. And I really did not want to spend that much on my life, so to speak. But I know everybody who needed an update. I've, quite a few of you have reached out to me asking where, my, where I am, my whereabouts. And I'm really, really sorry. I apologize. Uh, but things have been absolutely insane at work. They really have. And... Uh, my mental health is suffering. There is no doubt about it. Um, my meds are working. I won't say that they're not working, and, and up until we get into something in a second, uh, that certainly needs to be addressed. But for the most part, in terms of mood swings, um, I, I pretty much have it under control. It's not necessarily that I'm up and down. I just seem to be stressed and anxious all the time during the week and you know Monday comes and I don't really want Monday to be here and I never felt like that in my life I never 
was at a job or in a situation where I said, oh, God, I, I, I dread Mondays. I could never understand how people would want to be in a position of employment in which they were completely miserable. And while I'm not saying I'm miserable, I'm telling you right now that running a new business is not easy. And there is so much more to it because I believe in my heart that I am capable of doing just about anything. But when you don't have the proper support, unfortunately, things just, they just don't seem to go well. So I have decisions that need to be made. And I'm not leaving. I'm not quitting. I'm not going anywhere. Uh, but I certainly do need to think about my happiness. And right now, I'm not relatively happy. So that's a concern. Uh, what has this done? ultimately is like I said it's caused a tremendous amount of stress and anxiety but a couple of things that are going on um, and one of them is just so strange and I I might have brought this up in the past but if I have not we'll just revisit it real quickly and matter of fact my wife has suggested that I speak to the doctor about this everything I eat um, has a very awful taste to it and a very weird smell and it's, how do I say this? I guess, I guess there's no other way to say it, but then to be honest with my audience, I just never want to steer you in the wrong direction based on my insanity. But basically everything I put in front of me that I want to ingest or digest, <laughs> I feel like is poison. And I've gone through this before, and because I've been forcing myself to eat that poison, every single thing that I eat seems to have some kind of a strange odor or a taste to it. And lately I've been telling my wife, and she's been taking it from me and saying, you're crazy, <laughs> I'm eating it right now. There's nothing there. No, it doesn't smell like that. No, it doesn't taste like that. And I would have to imagine she's right, because it really is happening with just about everything. And um, it's somewhat concerning to me. And, and I don't know if it would be, so much as if I, if I did not have, uh, you know, an associated symptom along with it. Now, I said my mood swings have been relatively stable, but one thing that has been happening over the course of the last week, and I would imagine this is either the schizoaffective really, you know, breaking through and which is indicating to me, Mr. Joe, it's time to get back on an antipsychotic. Um, but the voices have, you know, they've really taken control. They've taken over in my head uh, to the point where I actually sat down and I really analyzed what actually happens that makes me so paranoid and so crazy based on what is being told to me. And it, it, even though they're negative things that are being said to me, um, in the past, I've always had... I shouldn't say in the past. In the recent past, I've always had that innate ability to, for the most part, ignore it. Because now I'm medicated, and since it's stopped, for the most part, I know that it's not necessarily real. Because I'm medicated, and it's not happening all the time. So then when it does come out, you can almost convince yourself to understand that, no, this is not, this is nonsense, don't listen to it. But unfortunately, over the last week or so, I've been really getting drowned out in my head with voices. And they're all negative. They're all negative. And uh, I think what's happened is 
subconsciously, and I noticed this the other day, and I'm going to give you an example. The other day, um, and I hate to use my wife as an example, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. Um, the other day, based on, you know what, I'm not even going to use her. We'll use my children, okay? This is how sick and paranoid I get, all right? But the other day, my uh, wife had made a comment about the fact that one of my children may, well, because one is not coming, Sarah Lee, there's a good chance that Junior is not going to come this weekend also. Um, And she said that, you know, just a passing comment. She actually said it to my sister, but subconsciously, for some reason, it was in my head. And then as I started driving, the voice started to tell me that my kids don't love me. You know, they're not coming because they don't want to be around you. They don't want to be near you. And here I am now fighting with this voice in my head. And I'm saying, I'm saying to myself, well, is this true? To the point where I was so paranoid that I went home and I pulled up the phone bill. Kind of like I used to do with my wife. And I started looking through the phone ball phone bill, <laughs> excuse me, the phone bill to see if there was any indication that when I was texting my children, they were answering texts from other people, but not to me. And, uh, you know, I found that in a few different spots. And of course, it made me very sad. I understand they're reaching out to their friends. I get it. But it made me sad and it made me paranoid. And um it, it made me reach out to them more than I normally would, probably annoying the you-know-what out of them. And then all the voices kind of stopped. And I said to myself, especially when my son said he would be here this past weekend, my older son, I said, all right, I guess I was just making some stuff up in my head. And unfortunately, this had to do with my wife as well. I'm not going to get into that right now. Um, because once again, it's such stupidity. It has to do with, you know, things in terms of her cheating on me. And it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. And again, these are the voices that are talking to me and telling me these things. And even though there's a part of me that knows it's not a real person talking to me, although damn man, it, it seems clear. I don't know. I, I'm going to sound like a maniac because there is a part of me that does feel like it's still there, if that makes any sense. But let's go with the with the assumption that it's not real. Um, knowing even that it's not real, I, I, the, the feeling of paranoia um, is so overwhelming. The feeling of jealousy and um, how distraught I get. and It really took me back to an old place in which I was unmedicated when I used to flip out and act like an animal. And again, based on the fact that I am medicated, I was able to keep those emotions in check, whereas normally the voices would lead me to, let's say, investigate things, research things, and then those things that I investigate, even though the truth is right there in front of my face, the truth being something that should make me feel better about the situation, while I twist and turn the truth and essentially make it to what I want it to be, which is something that is negative and um, offensive and um, hurts my feelings and all of those things all rolled into one. And um, that has been, for the most part, the way I've been functioning over the last week. Uh, This past weekend, we had a great time. Um, 
for me, there were no voices over the past weekend. I had my son with me. We went to the beach, took my three children. Of course, like I said, Sarah Lee, she uh, remained with her friends. And uh, it is getting to me, everybody. There's no doubt about that. And I know I've spent a couple of um, a couple of podcasts talking about my kids just really being way over involved with their friends. But I'm starting to realize, and again, I can't take any offense to this based on what my son tells me. My daughter's never home. I mean, as a matter of fact, she probably sees me than she sees her mother more. And she lives with her mother. And that, that has to do with the fact that um, she's just never home. So at least when she does have to go somewhere, it's usually with me. So at least I get to see her face. So it's, it's that teenage thing going on again. It's that teenage thing. And um, it's, it's just something that I got to learn to deal with and cope with and, you know, and hope that... Um, that someday they're going to return back to daddy. But until then, I just have to uh, be grateful for the things that I have. These two little beautiful kids that do live with me full time. And I, I mean, my son, I'm so proud of him, really. He's grown up to be such an amazing young man. And um, I couldn't be more proud uh, of, of my children. I really couldn't. And I guess, ultimately, when it comes to caring for my children and loving them, and being a father, I am trying to be, to them, everything that my mother is not. And I know that's sad to say, but it almost makes it somewhat easier to be a parent. When you have a parent yourself who is so destructive and so horrifying, um, it's really, really kind of sad. And, you know, my children are not seeing my mother, as, I, of course, I am not either, um, so it's it's just the whole the whole situation has really become quite a mess, and I haven't talked to my sister in a few days, and I have to hope that she, I, I want to hope that she's remained strong, um, and for the most part stayed away from my mother, and uh, because her mental health is going to suffer as well. I tried to explain to my sister, you know, just because mommy and me appear to be the ones that got hit the hardest when it comes to our mental illness. You have my blood, kiddo, and you are susceptible to the same stuff that I am. And I can tell her anxiety is getting the best of her. Her stress level is is maxed out. It is certainly not easy to deal with that woman. And I I, I need help. I really do. I need help. I need help in how to manage this. And, you know, one of the things that I started to do was some of the voice messages that she leaves, I started deleting them. And there was a time when I saved them all. And I, I started deleting them because they bring me down so much. And, you know, there was a part of me that felt like I had to keep them for two reasons. One, if I ever wanted content for my podcast. And two, because sometimes when you're being abused so badly, you want to reach out to somebody and, and let them know. And whether it's for somebody to console you, somebody to understand, somebody to give you advice. And it's not always easy to reach out to somebody when you're being abused. Because then you have to describe the abuse and you have to relive that abuse and um, present it in a way that another person can understand. Well, the messages that I get, get from that woman do not leave anything up to the imagination. It's clear emotional abuse and... Um, and I refuse to put up with it any longer, but I've been, 
I've been playing it for people for that simple fact that, you know, I want to get some feedback on it. And, you know, whether it's feedback or, oh, I'm so sorry or whatever, you know, listen, I'm just like anybody else with components of borderline personality disorder, like myself, I search for that attention as well. And I, I, but I'm a man, I can admit it. Where is my mother? You know, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to run away. I'm going to drive the car and crash it. I'm going to drink until I die. I'm going to, you know, um, that's attention that she's seeking constantly and for all the wrong reasons, all the wrong reasons. And, you know, um, I told my sister, and I think this is really what helped her to understand, my mother has been unable to get the mail, unable to take out the garbage, unable to take a garbage bag out of the garbage. And her latest was screaming and yelling at my sister because my mom had diarrhea and my sister had to run. <laughs> and I'm not going to say what my sister called. It's not, it's not a discriminatory phrase at all. But my sister does say that she runs around like a, you know, like a little servant. Um, she ran and got Imodium for my mother. And unfortunately, she was yelled at because the Imodium, for two reasons. The Imodium was not strong enough for her. And secondly, when she decided she needed to take another dose because it wasn't strong enough for her, she can't open the bottle. So my sister needed to go there and open the bottle for her. And at that point, I said to my sister, this woman, if she can't open a bottle of ibuprofen or, um, I'm sorry, Imodium, we got a serious problem here. We got a serious problem. And I said, and I, you know, we both agreed, drop off the, the card, the debit card, drop off her checks, give her a bunch of phone numbers of places that she can call, whether it's for her wine, her food, the fire department. I, I don't care who the hell it is. Take your money and spend it. And I really don't care. And if you need to go into a nursing home, then it's all there. And you know what, guys? At this point, I don't care if they take the house. I don't care what they take. The money, to be honest, means absolutely nothing because all my mother has done is throw that in our faces. And, you know, even some of her messages are, you're not getting any of my money. <laughs> I said, I don't want your money, you witch. You're not getting a damn thing from me, you father would be rolling over in his grave as she's stuttering and slurring and I don't want your money anymore I don't you know the only thing I ever wanted was normal parents normal parents that love me respect me and um, because I respect them you know and and not that they owe respect to their child, but I would think that it's a mutual thing that we'd like to give to our children as they give it to us as parents. And I never got any of that from my mom. My dad, different story. Ultimately, guys, what it comes down to is a very simple concept. And to be honest, my dad is my best friend in the entire world. And I do believe that in my heart. There is nobody that I find from a male figure perspective that I love more and considered to be more than, let's say, my pal, my buddy, my best friend, than my father. But, with that being said, he was a product of abuse himself. And because he spent his lifetime trying to make a person happy that would never be happy, and then ultimately just trying to 
keep this person at bay. Let this person just not bother him anymore. You know, my father became somebody who was not easily approachable to some extent. And when I say easily approachable, I don't mean in a, in a loving fashion. I mean in the sense where you always had to worry about whether or not my mother was around. Because if she was, the response and the conversation that you'd have with my father would be very different than if you were together. Now, what I know is this. All I do is I think about, you know, my kid, Junior, being on that soccer field and my father walking towards me. And I'm having a lot of dreams about it, you know, in a special jacket that he wears and, you know, walking over with a smile on his face to see his grandchild. And uh, I just wish he had more. I wish he had more time. And I don't, I don't really know or understand how life works yet, guys. And I don't know if any of us ever will. Um, you know, I listened to my mom scream and yell upon my father's first day of being off the face of this earth that she was angry with God. And I would imagine that's part of a normal feeling that many of us will have. I'm not, I'm not angry with, at God at all. As a matter of fact, I think God uh, worked his magic in this particular instance and saved my father by taking him away from that lunatic. It's almost like he weighed, the, weighed, it, weighed it out and said, you know what, Mr. Joe, you could deal without him. You're going to get through. But you know what? This man can't function another day on this earth with that woman. Um, so I know, I've, I know I've spoken a lot about my personal life and, my, and the issues with my mother. And I apologize, but I did need to get some of this stuff off my chest. And I do know that some of this many of you can relate to because I get a tremendous amount of emails regarding you know, parents and siblings and, you know, people who are related to others who are just mentally ill. And a lot of times we just don't know how to deal with it. And I've always said, especially in my closing, you know, support them the best way that you know how. And the way I can support this woman right now is to just stay far away. Stay very far away. You know, my, my wife wants no part of her and I can't blame her. And um, so right now, you know, she can't make her home into a safe place for my children in terms of the secondhand smoke. I don't want my children who are older now, especially 13 and 15, seeing their grandmother drunk out of her mind at 8 a.m. It's just not okay. None of that is okay. So anyway, I will be updating everybody on a couple of things. I have to go to a doctor. That's number one and um, get a full physical because I got a lot of things going on. I got a wrist pain that I cannot even explain how it feels. It's like this stinging, burning sensation, which from what I've researched, and here I go again, Mr. Google, you know, reading about all the things that could be wrong, but from what I can see, it appears to be a severe case of carpal tunnel. Whether or not that's true, I don't know, but I do need a physical. I need to get my cholesterol checked, and I do want to follow up with my doctor. The Part of the problem is, though, and again, this happens a lot of times with us with bipolar disorder. You know, the voices have gone away and I've been left alone. So it's almost like I'm hesitant to make that phone call. But I do know it needs to be done. So uh, by, by the time that I get on my next podcast, I will have an update uh, in terms of what we have spoken about, my doctor and myself, and any of the um, measures that we will take to try to get those voices under control so that Mr. Joe can eliminate some of the stress that's been going on in my life. As for you out there, I hope that everybody is doing well. And of course, if you ever need to reach out to Mr. Joe, 
Easily write me by email, MrJoeBP at Yahoo.com, or you can find me on Twitter at MrBipolarJoe. Now, for those of you who are struggling right now, oh, you know what, let's start out with the doing well part. <laughs> doing well. If you're doing well right now, I ask that you continue to work hard if you are doing well with your mental illness. If you love or you care about somebody with a mental illness, I ask that you continue to support that person in the very best way that you know how. And if you are struggling right now with a mental illness, I ask you to fight, I ask you to battle, and most importantly, soldier on. Thank you so much for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Have a great day.